The Lord be with you, everyone. I want to continue with this fascinating verse out of the series of verses that we call the Beatitudes. Uh, I, I think that's unfortunate, actually, um, because very few people know what the word means, and it sounds terribly important. Um, rather, it is a series of, what would I say, pithy sayings in which Jesus describes the blessedness, the incredible joy of the believer. And we're looking at verse 8, blessed, or that joy to be envied, that, that joy that is the longing of the world. Well, the believer has it, but he doesn't have it in a vacuum. It isn't that it just sort of hangs upon him. Joy arises from a certain lifestyle in union with Jesus Christ. And here it is, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And last week I felt it necessary to introduce this verse by asking, What is peace? And we saw, bottom line, that peace that is spoken of here is not simply that which is an outward, external peace, the absence of war and upset. It is rather an inner peace that is, in fact, the presence of the Spirit of Christ within us. And that Spirit brings to us and us to the very person of Jesus, so that we have, and hear me now if you missed it last week, we have the same peace. We have the same joyous harmony with the Father that Jesus has. This is not deeper life. This is not for some persons called saints. We're all called saints, incidentally. No, this is Christianity 101, that we are introduced to a union with Jesus in which we enjoy the same peace with the Father that he enjoys, the same assurance, that that same pulse beat of boldness and freedom that he has with the Father. It's yours. It is yours now, not by any work that you have done, but by the gift of God. And that leads us into a lifestyle of peace, the peace of God. It's two sides of the same coin. Peace with God, peace with the Father, means that that is my entire life is brought into union with the Father in Christ Jesus, which means that we walk in this world with the peace of God. And in Philippians especially, it refers to that peace as the peace of God that passes human comprehension. Of course it does. This is not the, the miserable peace of this world, which demands that everything is as I want it to be, externally, that everybody is smiling where they should smile and frown where they should frown, and they all like me, and that then I'm at peace, I have calm and content. No, 
This is the peace of God and it passes human comprehension because it doesn't depend upon the external. Let me say it again. This peace of which we speak, which Jesus is talking about here, is not a a thing. Is that, you know, I don't get uh, some stuff called peace or an it that, that God up there gives to me this bit of peace. No, he gives his very self. And actually, the Father and Son and Holy Spirit dwell inside of us in and through the Spirit of Christ. We reside inside of God as he resides inside of us. We experience all that he is as he joins himself to all that we are. That's the relationship we're talking about. That is peace. He shares our history. He shares every detail of our present life. We share his history. And we share, is is there a better word? We, We are one with the totality of his person. You see, Satan, and again I remind you that word actually means the accuser, the, the, the one who puts you down, uh, and his other word, devil, diabolus, it, it means divider, separator, and any, hear me carefully, any concepts that you have of a God who is separated from you. He's somewhere up there, or he showed up back in history, or you're with those people that continually pray that he'll show up today. All ways and facets of this separation. No, he's not. That's the whole meaning of the incarnation that God in Jesus Christ came into our humanity, into our human life. There's no more separation. Where he is, we are. Where we are, he is. And there he is sharing with us his peace. You see, we cannot be peacemakers until we're rooted and grounded in Jesus his spirit within us, who is our peace. Now, this is a unique expression that Jesus used. Peace makers. You know, say that over about a thousand times. And we're, we're peace, blessed are the peace makers. So you have received the gift of his peace, and now you in this world are making peace. Okay? Well, let's, let's delve into this word make. Peacemakers. And we'll be here for quite a few minutes because it's very important that we know what this word means. It's a big word in the Bible. It, it's, it's got its Hebrew counterpart in the Old Testament, and it's here in the New Testament. And first of all, there's the, the general meaning of the word, which is important. It means to perform, to make, or to do something. 
It, it means to make fruit. That, that was an idiom in the days of the New Testament. It, it meant to, to bring forth results. It meant to do what is enough or what will satisfy. Okay, make it means that you're going to cause results to happen. In fact, it was used to your assuming responsibility to do that. Um, it, it meant to produce or bring something forth that is new out of already existing materials. Okay, put, put that on hold. That's, that's the general meaning of the word. Work, do, perform, produce results. Uh, let there be fruit that is apparent. But, and this is where I believe it gets exciting, um, it has a specific meaning, uh, even though it's used in the way I've just said. But, you see, this word in the Greek language is almost the same as our word poet. In fact, if you go into the world of poets, they speak quite freely that their title is a poet and they write a poem, and they'll tell you it comes from this Greek word. Now, that's fascinating. You, you then could translate this, you could, as saying, blessed are the peace poets. Yes, you heard me. And, and if you put that word peace that we were using last week, blessed are the shalom poets. It, it, it means that we are we're, we're, we're the poetry of God in the midst of this world. Now, I have to ask the question then, what, what is poetry? What is a poet? And especially in today's world, there are many who have little or no time for poetry. And they think you're a little odd if you like poetry. Well, that's okay because we're not getting into poetry as such. But I do want you to know what poetry is. I, what is a poet? It says here that this is the blessedness of you and I, that we are the peace poem of God released into the world. We better know what a poet is or a poem. You see, it's a special kind of communication. You know, when you're, well, when you're listening to me now, this isn't poetry. This isn't poetry. And, and you know that. Poetry is a very special kind. It, it's not, you see, it's not a lecture. It, it's not a teaching. It isn't presenting an idea or even presenting truth. They've all got their own place, and they do it, and it, it's not poetry. Um, it, it, it's not selling a formula. It, it isn't coming on as a salesman. That's another kind of talking. It, it's certainly not reciting a bunch of laws to live by. You, do, do, you follow me? The, this is a special kind poetry. When a person is a poet... And what they write down as poetry, it's different to all these other kinds of communication and speaking. So what is poetry? 
Let me, let me give you a definition. And again, I say, if you don't like poetry, this has nothing to do with that. I'm, jo- I'm trying to get into this verse. Okay, what is poetry? Poetry is, what shall I say, condensed language. That is, I- I'm going to take about uh, 45 minutes to an hour to talk about this long explanations. But poetry uses words that can say it very concisely. It sort of squashes language and says it. And after you've read the poem, you realize a mass of truth has been communicated, but with very little language. Okay, what is poetry? Poetry is a language they, they use language that produces intense feeling and emotion. Um, what one can weep as, as the truth of poetry gets into them. And, and again, I say gets into a person by the way it's written and presented more so than a lecture. Um, poetry awakens the imagination. It draws you in. And just with these condensed words, awakens feelings, emotions, and appeals to the imagination. It has rhythm. I think that's the most obvious thing about poetry. Um, it, it fits tightly together so that the words echo each other. You, you know that. At the end of this line, that word will echo and fit in with the end of the next line. It, it's that rhythmic. It all fits together tight. I suppose you could say like Lego poetry. There, there's... It portrays, it's, it's natural to it to, to portray beauty. It, it creates a longing for what once was or what could be now. I'm, I'm reporting this. It's hard to actually say what poetry is, but it does that. It's like beauty. You see it, and, and there's a longing uh, for, for this harmony that in, in such quick shoots of thought and imagination, you know uh, that, that that's, that's unique. It's no longer with us, but that's what it should be. That's what it could be. And there's that longing in the heart. I suppose you could say that poetry is music in words without instrument. And, of course, it's the lyrics of the kind of poetry that become songs. It gives insight. Have you noticed things that we quote sometimes for generations were actually poetry? Because somehow, with everything I've just said, poets can say something with few words that just... It's that moment of sort of explosion of light inside. You got it. And so we still quote today from William Shakespeare. We, we still quote the great poets of the past just in single lines, even if some people who quote it don't know who wrote it. But it, it, that's poetry. You could say 
In fact, I would have to say that poetry is an escape from the logical. You know, the difference between listening to someone give a lecture, that's all logic. And if it's 2.30 in the afternoon, you find your eyes closing. They're, they're telling you the truth, I'm sure, but no, poetry... Um, so, in, in fact, I'd have to say poetry does. It escapes from the logic. It's not one, two, three. Uh, it, it, it escapes into the imagination. It awakens pictures in your brain that are very real. And the way it's written, have you noticed, it, it stops a sentence halfway through and goes to the next line because it's building anticipation. It's got surprise written into it. Poetry. I I suppose one could say ultimately you can't define it. It is, I say again, this unique way of communication that works in the ways I've tried to say above. You know, tell me what is the wind? Oh, don't get scientific on me. What is the wind? Really, I mean, you don't see it. And yet everybody knows when it's a windy day. Wind is primarily defined in I feel it, and I see all around me, as well as in my face and hair, I I see what it does. And I'm left with this invisible energy that is either a gentle breeze, and again I define it as a gentle breeze by the feeling on my face, or it's a mighty gale force wind that bends the trees and throws my hat and umbrella away. But ultimately, the experience of being in the wind is very hard to define. Poetry is like that. I know what it does. And for all these reasons, it doesn't translate into another language. Have you noticed that? In in the language you speak, poetry can be written and heard and does all of these things. But you can't translate that. You know, my wife Nancy is from Cuba and her first language is Spanish, and there are poems, love poems, in Spanish that are are magnificent, and she will read them, and of course in Spanish, and I say, what does that mean? And then, well, he's trying to say this, or he's saying that, but immediately it's no longer poetry. She's now stepped outside to try and explain it to me because it doesn't translate. You can't put that into English. You can only say, well, this is what it, it's trying to say. Doesn't, doesn't translate into another language. Hold that thought. Okay. <laughs> can you fit all that into this verse? Supremely joyous are the peace poems. You see, and hear me so carefully now, when when God would describe himself, 
when Father and Son and Holy Spirit know themselves, then here we have the explosion of beauty. We have the light that fills all truth. When God knows himself, it is beyond words, yet it all fits together with perfect harmony and rhythm. In fact, it is true as you read the scripture that he is the original music. He's the original harmony, even as the original beauty. But that's untranslatable to us humans in the lie. Please believe me. We are so immersed in the lie, that terrible twistedness which the accuser and the separator and the divider is only capable of doing. Everything's twisted. He's incapable. Satan is incapable of producing anything new. He's not a creator. He cannot. He's the uncreator. And therefore, all he can do is take of God's beauty and twist it. He can only take of God's world and turn it into something else. That's all he can do. And humans believe the lie to be the truth. How great is the darkness? And how? How can the... How can the love of God... How can the gentleness and the kindness and the patience of God just be dropped into that? It's immediately twisted by the lie and the liar. Oh, humankind, once they turned away from the beauty of God in his unbegun unlimited love. They were plunged into a darkness where they saw God other than he is. They saw him as the angry one, the punisher. And they couldn't, they couldn't, I mean, cannot see the love of God. They cannot see the joy of whom God is the origin and cannot see the peace because the mark, the characteristic of the darkness and the liar is anxiety, worry, written across the human race, placed into the very atomic structure of the human by the lie is fear. Mankind is afraid, afraid of God, afraid of himself, afraid of others, afraid of what might happen, afraid of all the coulds and shoulds, afraid of the past that it will catch up. And on we go, and on we go. Man cannot comprehend love in which there is only the gentleness and the kindness and the passion and the compassion of God to unite us to himself, can't comprehend that, can't comprehend a peace that absolutely cancels out anxiety, peace that ends fear, 
Perfect love casts out all fear, for perfect love dwells in perfect peace. It's untranslatable. That's the poem of God. So that's the end of it. No, it isn't. For God willed to unite us to himself. And therefore God, God the Son, sent by God the Father, sent with God the Holy Spirit, came into our darkness and revealed love in a way now we could grasp because he became one of us, became the human, became the human living in the pressures and the darkness that we were, but he lived utterly other than us. He revealed the truth of God's love. He revealed the truth of God's peace. God came and revealed himself right in the middle of the sewer that we called life. And why did he do it? So that we might hear the poem of God in the language of earth. You see, the prophets of the Old Testament... Obviously, do not misunderstand what I'm saying, that they were inspired of God. But the best they could do at that point in the history of mankind was to tell us about God. They were like Nancy trying to explain the poem to me. Because remember, the language of God, which is pure truth, love, joy, peace, didn't translate into any language of mankind. And so the prophet said, well, it's like this, it's like that. And they gave the images and pictures. But Jesus is God transposing that poem into the language of this earth. Let me try it. This is a very clumsy illustration, but for me, it was life-changing. It was some decades ago, and I was in a pretty remote place in, in the jungles over there in the Africas. And as I say remote because there was a tribe, a very small tribe, a remote tribe, pretty well cut off from everybody else. And no one could really get to them, mainly because they lived in such fear. They feared the outside world. They feared even other tribes. They, they feared death. That was their greatest fear. Their, their, their understanding of God was only fearful because they saw him as perpetually angry with them over something. Therefore, any negative thing that happened in life, they believed it was a punishment, a curse from God. And they feared demons, and they had good reason to, for they'd opened themselves up to the liar, and demonic activity was very plainly seen in the tribe. Um, it was a very, very sad uh, they lived a very narrow existence, and that was reflected in their language. 
because they only had 300 words in their vocabulary. That meant they had 300 words to describe everything that happened in their life. Probably it showed how little did happen except for the fears and the terrors, especially the night terrors. Um, And so, what are you going to do with 300 words? You see, what should be said to those people didn't translate into 300 words, nor could it even get through the darkness of their fear. Well, cut a long story short, uh, I was given the opportunity to go and speak to this tribe, and we had a problem. Because although they had indicated uh, that they, they would listen to what I had to say, we didn't have an interpreter. And, and I mean, no one knew the 300 words of their vocabulary. It was a strange language. It was a series of clicks, grunts, and whistles. Um, Nothing really like any Western language. And finally, we found someone of the, what is called the Kosa tribe. uh, And that, that person knew their language, but didn't know English. And so we had someone that spoke Kosa who spoke their language, but then there was a Zulu who spoke Kosa and English. Can you imagine this incredible, I am seeking to share with this tribe the love of God, the peace of God, the the reality of Jesus, and I have to speak a sentence, and the Zulu, who understands it, now translates that into Kosa. And the Kosa then translates it into their clicks and squeaks and grunts. And and, and I stood there while this process went on. And of course, when he came to the Kosa, he took such a long time to say my one sentence because he's only got 300 words to work with. He's got to say it's like this, it's like that. Uh, And I felt so helpless as we went torturously trying to, well, I mean, after saying a, a sentence and waiting for that to happen, I had to remember what I'd said. I, I, I felt so utterly helpless. And as I looked into the faces of those tribal people who were leaning forward to listen to what the translators said, I, I felt the compassion of God I, and, I, and yet I felt helpless. I, I was removed from these people by a great chasm. And in that moment, I, I, I saw what I'm trying to say here. You see, I tell you what I saw, that if, if ever one could communicate this message at all, really, one would have to become one of the tribe to get inside this tangled mess of of what they understood as reality. 
to actually get inside their fears and their attitude to life, to see how they saw their idea of God. What one would have to get inside them because anything I said I couldn't do that. It, it, it bounced off. And how can you get inside the very nature of a tribe of people so that you can see the horror of what they see as life, so that you can taste their darkness and you can cringe with their fears as you present the very opposite as truth. And I realized then that if such could happen, then a new tribe would emerge in the midst of this old one. And for anyone to believe what was being said, that they would have to repent. (laughs) They would have to turn away from everything that tribe believed to believe the new, the truth. And I realized in that moment that's exactly what Jesus did. The poem that God is, the beauty that he is, the love that he is, the peace that he is, doesn't translate into our tribe. For from the get-go, Adam led us into the darkness and confused our minds and blinded our eyes and deafened our ears and filled it with a mass of lies, lies about God, lies about ourselves, lies about the realities of life. Doesn't translate. And the prophets can talk about it, but they can only go so far. If ever we, in our human tribe, our Adam tribe, if we'll ever understand love that cancels fear, love that is the source of peace, that passes all our human understanding, then not one close to God like a prophet who can tell us, well, it's something like this, it's something like that. No, God himself He must bring the poem of God into our darkness. He's got to get inside our head. He's got to get inside the way we look out at life. He's got to understand by experience our fears. And then to be the poem, to be the beauty of love, to be the wonder of joy and peace in our midst to live it out in our human tribe, in mind, in words, in actions. I don't know if any of that made sense. I said it's a clumsy illustration, but I tell you, it changed my life. For I realized that's exactly what Jesus did. Can we get it? That's the incarnation. Oh, forget the hideous nonsense of Christmas and and realize what we're celebrating in the birth of Jesus is God the Son, 
actually coming into our humanity, getting inside us to feel the hideous pressures of darkness, to hear the mocking voice of Satan, and to stand and be the poem of God and reveal the beauty. No wonder it says, in the beginning was the Word. Jesus is that condensed language of God. Everything that God is and all that he purposed is being condensed. And Jesus is the Word. He is the condensation of God himself. And in the face of Jesus we see God love. He's right here. He's one of us. And yet when we look at him, he's right in the middle of our flesh. Not a long explanation. You don't find it, do you? It's uh, Jesus. He just is. And what he says and what he does, he just opens the curtain and reveals to us who God is. The whole mind, the whole purpose of God has become one of us. And he transposes his heart and his mind into our creature. He's conveying the heart language of God. In Jesus, the Father is saying, I love you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. In Jesus, God is saying, I'll go to this limit to unite you to myself. It's the intense feeling of the divine love, the compassion of God, and all wrapped up in one human, the Word. He speaks, and just like poetry with so few words, yet here he is, and and. He, he speaks not only the intensity of God's feelings for us, but awakens those feelings in our heart. Yes, you see, <laughs> Jesus didn't give lectures. And if you've only got to read through the four Gospels to know that. Jesus, Jesus is it. And when when... You know, he introduced who he is and what he's doing. And what did he say? I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am the good shepherd. I am the door. See, Jesus presents himself. I am the bread of life. It's union with him then, and we've united with the poem of God. What's God like? He spoke forgiveness to the guilty and brought them peace. What's God like? Jesus set people free from the bondage of the darkness and demonic, set the liberty liberty to the captives. What's God like? He healed the sick by the multitude. What, 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 what's all this about? And it says over and over again in the Gospels, the people were amazed. They stood outside themselves is the literal translation of that. 
They stood beside themselves in their minds, couldn't even find an anchor to find where they were in time and space. And to wonder, jaw-dropping wonder, because when God speaks, it's this other kind of language that gets into our heart, that opens our eyes, passes by all logical stuff and hits our imagination to realize something that eye has not seen nor ear heard. It's never entered into the heart of man. But now he's revealing it to us. It's the way it is. It's the way it is. He, he portrays the beauty of God. Is God really like this? Someone said to me just a little while ago with sort of wide-open eyes, they said, is God really like Jesus? Yes. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. But they thought that Jesus was just sort of the odd man out of the Trinity, that really God was angry and God was punishing and every bad thing that ever happened to you is his fault. No, Jesus said... That, that he speaks the words of the Father. He does the works of the Father. If you've seen him, you've seen the Father. And we stand with God is... God is not only like Jesus. Jesus is God inside our humanity. And it creates that longing within us. Could this really be? You mean that this world in its chaos and corruption, anxiety and fears is not, is not the end. This isn't, you know, as good as it gets. There's a longing. If Jesus Christ, who has entered right into the very guts and mind and attitude of our human tribe, and in the midst of that darkness has said, no, this is what I'm like. This is what I want to do. This is what I'm here to do. And all that could be, the longing, or as it says, uh, actually just before this, this, these words of Jesus, back in chapter 4 of Matthew, it says, the people sitting in darkness saw a great light. And those sitting in the land and the shadow of death upon them, light has dawned. Yeah, Jesus. See, the lie that Satan injected into Adam and so into the whole human race, there's no poetry there. Nothing rhymes. Everything's a clashing contradiction. Everything is, is confusion. It's, uh, and if it was a song, it's a screech. It's off-key. The life that we think is normal in our world, as we stuff the pills to keep us numbed from what's happening, and stuff more pills to get to sleep, and more pills to wake up, and, and just go through life, if you can call it that, and relationships that are full of anxiety and fears and brokenness. No, Jesus comes and his very presence with us he is saying there's more. Something you've never seen, something you've never dreamed of, a peace that passes human comprehension. We meet in him the harmony. 
Yeah, shalom, that wholeness, that where everything fits together, the harmony of love, the rhythm of God peace, the life of Jesus Christ into our humanity, actually poured into us. He's the music of God in his own person. And of course, ultimately, we can't define him. Not really. I mean, theological tomes try to do it, but um, you're left with something so dead, you know that's not really him. He's the wind on my face. He's that gentle breeze through my hair. He makes the leaves to move, the grass to bend. And yet, and yet, you know, we we see him. Even as I speak, and I know this has been true over the many times we've been together like this, because you've told me so, uh, that there's that rising in your spirit, a seeing that you, you can't put your hand on, a seeing that this is who God is in the face of Jesus. And and you can't, all you know is you've seen it. You'd be hard-pressed at this point in your life to even begin to explain it, but you know it, you've seen it. I, I remember, again, I was in Africa, and there was a certain bird, legend for its plumage, a beautiful bird of many colors, but hard to find. And as we were going through the bush, suddenly it was there, right there, in all its glory, and then it was gone. I lived in that for weeks to come. I'd seen it, and I knew it. And of course, again, this is a clumsy illustration, but maybe you catch what I'm saying, that he's real. It's it's not a legend. He's made himself known to you. He has placed his Holy Spirit within you. And you actually have been given his life, his joy, his peace. So that you actually know the fellowship that Jesus, Son of God, has with the Father. And you have that same fellowship with him. And he pours into you his love and his peace so that instead of being part of this world, tearing everyone to pieces, seeking ways to destroy and separate, instead of being part of the whole complaining, whining world of unpeace, you have found the very center of peace, the center of harmony, the very center of Father and Son and Holy Spirit that you're now beginning to understand what a peacemaker is as you are living the poem of God who is Jesus and you're recognizing that you're influencing the world in which you live. You're you're bringing about the results of God's peace in others. See, it it doesn't originate in us. He's, He's the peacemaker There's a verse which really demands a whole message by itself. It's in Ephesians 2.8. Let me read it to you. You know it, but maybe 
now it will mean more to you. For by grace you have been saved. Well, of course, that's the message. It's all gift. Saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. No, your faith arose when he showed you himself. When you saw the gloriousness of his love for you and the fact he was giving himself to you, that evoked the peace. It wasn't of yourself. It's the gift of God, not as a result of works. No one can boast. Now listen, for we are his workmanship. And that word workmanship is this word maker. Same word in the original language. You are his workmanship. He's working the divine poem into you so that you will be the poem in the midst of this world. You've been created in Christ Jesus for good works. These works which are peace works. Not works to get to God, but works that flow through you because you're in him. Well, what what about Philippians 2.12? You work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That is, you are going to work out into this world the divine pleasure, the divine truth of love and joy and peace and gentleness and kindness and patience. No wonder with fear and trembling. How on earth can I do that? For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work of his good pleasure. Look, this is the gospel. It's not deeper life. This is gospel 101. That that Jesus actually joins himself into you through the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is forming Christ in you, to bring to actualization in you all that he has done and achieved. So, the resurrection, you see, is not something, just an event in history, and you nod and say, well, of course, he was God. No, the resurrection means that he took you out of the death, out of the darkness, and has carried you to the Father, so that now he is in you and you are in him, and that's factually operating, actualized in you through the Holy Spirit. It's happening. It is so. That's what a Christian is. And when you realize that, then you, what can I say, you, you shuck it off, that old way of life. No, not as a law. It isn't that now you get this new, you mustn't do this and you mustn't do that. No, I'm dancing with the Father and he's smiling at me and he assures me that I in Christ am his Son in whom he's well pleased. Well, you know, suddenly there's a whole bunch of stuff I really don't want to do anymore because all that stuff was done to achieve that kind of peace. But of course it never did. But now... We put off the old way. Just like the rising of the sap in the spring causes the old dead leaves of winter to fall away. 
So you have new life in the Holy Spirit. You're a new person. You're joined to Jesus Christ. So we we turn away. We put off the ugly flesh lie and life that goes with it to put on the beauty of the rhythm of Christ where everything fits together in wholeness. This isn't trying to be like him. Oh, please, that's all part of the flesh. That's part of Satan's lie. The, 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 you see, there again, on the one hand, we're talking about that he's like this. No, he didn't. he's not a prophet who said God's like this. He is God saying, I am. And so I'm not trying to be like Jesus. It's Jesus in me, inside of me, saying, I am. And I say, I am, because he's I am in my I am. Get it? Not enough minutes to explain that. But, but Jesus is, is our peace, and, and that's real. Jesus, Jesus, Son of God, is our peace. And so that oozes out, shall I say, flows out, hopefully, through our thoughts and attitude, flows out through our words, flows out through our actions. And that, of course, is not dependent uh, upon what people are doing. It's not dependent upon what's happening around it. It's it, because it arises from within. And now, because arising from within affects what is around me. I'm not affected by what's around me. I affect it. So, huh. This is freedom from anxiety, you see. Jesus stood in the midst of our world and could say to the storm, Peace be still, which caused everyone to wonder and be amazed, for this was a peace that was beyond anything they could comprehend. How how can a person say, Peace be still, only when they dwell in a peace that is unfathomable, incomprehensible, And out from their peace, they can effect peace. That's what we're talking about here. We, We walk into a world of chaos, and we are the coming of God's peace into that situation. That's why we pray for the sick. We lay hands on the sick because that is bringing peace into the very organs and cells of a human body, which is what Jesus did almost the whole time he was here. We, we can bring the gospel of the peace of God into tormented persons, but we do so from our rooted and grounded in peace. See, it, it isn't that you who get as anxious uh, as your next-door neighbor uh, about, well, you know, everything, <laughs> you know, Life at the water fountain, where you all gather to talk about all your fears and anxieties and how you've... Well, if, if, if that's how you are with your neighbor, you've got nothing to give. You understand? You give your life first, and then you talk. You, you live a life in front of people first. You are a peacemaker. You're the poem of God let loose in the darkness. And then... 
they will ask of you, what's the difference? Or when you do speak, they hang on your words because they've seen, they've seen the shafts of light, the light of Christ shining through. Well, this is going to take another hour because everything I've said in the last 10 minutes needs another hour. And so I I trust, I, I feel that we've only danced around the edges of this. But I trust you've got it. You are the poem of God, and the poem of God is the word Christ in you. And he is the perfect poem that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is. And therefore, we are known, it says, as the sons of God. That is, we are those who reflect the family. We we are persons who are the peace of God because we are one with the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. And therefore, we reveal them in this world. I pray that that be true in the week that is to come. And now the blessing of God, who is almighty love, grant to every one of you the peace of God himself poured out into your heart, passing all human expectation and understanding, and granting you the strength to walk with adequacy as a revelator of Christ who is your life. So I bless you this night and declare that is the way it is.